Our primary scripture reading this morning is toward the end of Luke chapter 2. And we'll follow that up with a few verses from Galatians chapter 4. But before we read, let's pray for God's blessing. Our Father in heaven, it is by your Holy Spirit that the writers of the words we're about to read wrote your truth for the blessing of your people to the ends of the earth and even, even us. But we confess that though our ears may hear the word, though our eyes may gaze upon it, without the ministry of your Holy Spirit granting understanding, granting faith, it is to us a dead word. And so we pray that you would give life to your word, cause it to work, and produce fruit in our lives, in our hearts, in our understanding. Grant us faith. Grant us humble uh, reception of your word, we pray. Jesus' name, amen. We're going to pick up the narrative in Luke 2 at verse 21 <coughs> and read down through verse 40. This is the word of the Lord. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a young, there was a man, not a young man, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, 
Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. We turn then to Galatians chapter 4. And we, read, we will read verses 4 through 7. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. God grant his blessing on our reading and hearing of his word. Often, this time of year, when the birth narratives, the narratives of our Lord's birth, uh, are read in church services, uh, everything stops at verse 20, and then we move on to other things. Uh, but I thought I would pick it up at verse 20. Uh, I could have titled the sermon, After Christmas. But what follows is often overlooked, or when it is presented, the attention is entirely on old Simeon's wonderful and alarming words to Mary and Joseph about Jesus. So I want this morning to look at these verses to see uh, some things that may often be overlooked or neglected. I'm not focusing on Simeon and Anna, they're in the passage, but of focusing on other things. And I'd like to uh, focus attention first on the language of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4, that Jesus, when he was born in the fullness of time, was born under the law. He was born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. And secondly, uh, focus 
So our Lord was born under the law. Uh, verse, uh, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. That certainly was in obedience to the law of the Lord. And he was brought to the temple uh, in Jerusalem for sacrifices to be offered for his mother's purification. That doesn't get uh, quite the emphasis in the passage, but it, that was part of it. And for his own redemption, and that word may surprise you. Uh, now, these were separate events. The family did not need to go to Jerusalem to the temple uh, to circumcise, to have Jesus circumcised. Uh, they just needed to have a local Levite there in Bethlehem come and perform the rite. They did need to go to the temple, however, to offer the sacrifices mentioned in verses 22 through 24. When the time came for their purification, the word there that includes Mary, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, and so on. Uh, <clears throat> did you notice, as we read the passage a little while ago, uh, did you notice how frequently uh, the law of God is referred to? Uh, verse 22, uh, they did this according to the law of Moses. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And verse 24, according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And verse 39, a kind of summary of the whole passage. They had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Note all of these references are to the laws found in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers in particular. Referred to not only as the law of Moses, but also as the law of the Lord. Here the Spirit directs Luke to refer to these laws as the law of the Lord. That is, they came from God and they came with a purpose. These laws in particular were intended to point forward to the promised Messiah, our Lord Jesus, and to his coming to save sinners from their sins, from our sins. So Joseph and Mary not only obeyed the command of the angel when they gave Jesus the name that the angel first told they should give the name. Later in the Greek, told Joseph they should give the name Jesus because he will save his people according to their sins. They not only obeyed the Lord in the naming of Jesus, but they were also careful to have him circumcised on the eighth day because that is what the law commanded beginning in Genesis 17. It was necessary that the Lord of the covenant, that Jesus, before his incarnation, it was necessary that the Lord of the covenant, when he took human nature, should himself receive the sign of the covenant. Circumcision. A bloody cutting off of his flesh pointing to the ultimate 
cutting off of Jesus on the cross. Verses 22 through 24 tell us that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to Jerusalem for two important rituals commanded in the law. This is not just prelude to the encounter with Simeon, but has important meaning all on its own for us. Mary had to undergo a period of purification. It's required in the law of women who give birth. It has to do with the shedding of blood. Had to undergo a period of purification uh, to be followed by the offering of an atoning, cleansing sacrifice. And uh, we know that uh, they were poor people, by the way, because they offered the little birds and not, say, a sheep or a goat. Uh, this was commanded by the Lord in Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. And Jesus, too, had to be redeemed. The word redeemed is not used in Luke 2, but it is used in Exodus, where the original command is given, Exodus 13, repeated uh, later in Numbers 3 and Numbers 8. The Lord laid a special claim to the firstborn son in every Israelite family. Remember, on the night of their release from Egypt, uh, the Lord through Moses told them, told the people of Israel to sacrifice a lamb, gave them instructions for how to do that and how to eat the lamb, and to paint the doorposts of their houses with the blood of the lamb because God was going to bring judgment the judgment of death to every household in Egypt that was not protected by the blood of the lamb. So throughout Egypt, even in the household of Pharaoh, every firstborn son perished that night. And the Egyptians were glad to be rid of the Israelites. But in the Israelite homes, there was thanksgiving to God because they were spared and released from slavery in Egypt. And because God spared the firstborn sons of the Israelite families, he laid claim to them in a special way. And from then on, every firstborn son had to be redeemed by the offering of sacrifice. And that included Jesus. Now these laws regarding the mother, regarding the firstborn son. We would say they are ritual and ceremonial. They're not moral in their character. But they were commands of God for his covenant people, Israel. And to deliberately, knowingly, not obey a command of God, even a ceremonial command of God, is to disobey God. And it's a sin. So it's important that Joseph uh, led his family, that Joseph and Mary presented themselves in the temple, that Jesus was redeemed by sacrifice. Why? Why is it important? God's eternal Son, our Lord Jesus, came from heaven into our world and took our human nature 
without sin, to save us from our sins, from the guilt of our sins, from the consequences of our sins, to redeem those who are under the law. Remember Romans 3 says the whole world is under the law, every one of us, come into this world, infants, under the condemnation of the law of God, because there's already sin dwelling deep within us. We're all under the law. And Jesus came, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. But he could not do that unless he himself was a law keeper. He could not be a lawbreaker and offer himself for the salvation of other lawbreakers. It was absolutely necessary from the very beginning, even from infancy, that our Savior be a law keeper. There could be no breaking, there could be no law breaking sin charged to him. Only in this way could he be the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When he atoned for our sins on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21, speaking of the Father, he, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, that is, who never sinned, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God the sins of all the people could be redeemed by Jesus. Collected together in one horrible mass of terrible wickedness and evil was laid on him so that it was as if he was sin. On the cross he was numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah 53. But already as an infant, as an infant, the law of redemption of firstborn sons, which proclaims and assumes the sinfulness of firstborn sons, was applied to Jesus as if he too were a sinful son. And this is similar to his baptism when he presents himself before John the Baptist in company with a multitude of people who truly are sinners and truly do need to repent of their sin and seek the mercy of God and look for the Messiah to come. Jesus presented himself there and stood in the water with them and received the waters of baptism as if he were also a sinner, identifying himself from his infancy, from his baptism, right up until his crucifixion with us, bearing our sins. We speak of the humiliation of Christ in contrast to his exaltation with his resurrection, ascension, and so on. I think we have little ability to conceive uh, the true, the true lowliness of the humiliation in these, in these events. <clears throat> From his first breath, 
indeed from his conception. Jesus, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Savior, was a lawkeeper for us until the day that he also took on himself the full curse of the law that we deserve because of our sins. <clears throat> you haven't, I haven't, we can't keep the commandments of God without sin. Jesus did from infancy. When you trust in Christ and turn to God, believing and trusting in him, the Father gives you the perfect obedience of his Son. He counts you as an obedient son, an obedient daughter. You are justified. You are declared righteous, not with your righteousness, but with the righteousness of Christ. God's gift to you. You cannot pay for your sins and your law-breaking, but Jesus did pay the full price, the full debt, and it began in his infancy. And so I want to think about the relationship of this to our covenant children. The law-keeping of Jesus even as an infant and as a child or children. Uh, children, hello down there. Uh, you're listening to a sermon, but here's an adult up here speaking. Probably it's easy to think, well, he's speaking, he's speaking to the other adults. I can draw a picture or take a nap or something. But this sermon is for you. Uh, all of you children, every one of you who are part of this church, you were born under God's law. When you were born, you were obligated to keep the commandments of God. And because you have not kept the commandments of God as you should, you are therefore under the law as a judgment. This is very serious. It's very serious indeed. You are sinners who have broken God's law. And I, I can cite, you know, one commandment. It's, it's the uh, first commandment parents teach their children, I guess. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. And this means, as the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, uses this command. This means to obey. To obey. Uh, children, obey your parents and the Lord, Ephesians 6. One. Now, your parents were children once, too. So they're, they're, under, the same, they're under the same condemnation of, of the law. Uh, apart from Christ. Apart from Christ. Tell you stories about my rebellious childhood, but I won't. Uh, but it certainly involved not honoring my parents on many occasions and sometimes breaking their hearts. And I think many of us older people can confess to that. Well, it's not just one commandment. I just picked one commandment that I thought was a pretty safe one to 
saved and probably all broken. Never mouthed off. Never were told to do something and you said, I don't want to, or I'll do it later, only later doesn't come because you find something else to do. Sneaking off. Never tried to get away with something that you shouldn't be doing and lying about it. Oh, I think these are pretty universal sins among children. Uh, and so you children and all of you adults who were children, you were born under this law from God. And you are under it as it points to your sin. How can your sins against mom and dad, how can my sins against my parents, which are sins against God, how can they be forgiven by God? Jesus is the children's law keeper also. And that's so clear from this passage. From infancy, he was a law keeper. But it didn't stop there. If we had read on another 10 verses or so, we'd have discovered, uh, verse uh, 51, this is after the episode where Jesus went up to the temple with his parents, and then he went back home with them. And he went down with them, verse 51, and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. But he was submissive to his parents. Now, were Joseph and Mary without sin? I don't think so. Uh, you know, Mary in her great song, you think of it, you remember it as the Magnificat, she gives thanks to God, my Savior. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 3 uh, says that uh, we all sin and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus' parents were not perfect. They were not sinless. And yet he submitted to them. Now, there were many times when I was absolutely sure my parents were wrong. And that gave me justification for not submitting to them. Hmm? Am I touching any nerves here? <laughs> That never happened in Jesus' family. He never stood back and said, I don't have to obey you. You're wrong. He honored his father and his mother. He submitted to them. And he did that, that he might be the righteous redeemer of children who sin. Jesus is God. He did not stop being God when he became a baby, grew to be a boy, and then a man, but he was always God. And he, as God, created Joseph and Mary. He, as God in human flesh, was pure and sinless, and they were not. But he subjected himself to He kept the fifth commandment. And so what we read in Hebrews 4.15 is true, and it's a wonderful truth, that he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. 
Praise the Lord. Children, when you sin and when you know that you have sinned, instead of running away from God, instead of running away from your parents who can help you, run to God in prayer. Jesus understands being tempted. Jesus understands the difficulty of resisting temptation. Jesus, at the right hand of God, is always there interceding for us, and we may always go to the Father through him, confessing our sins. Even the youngest child can do that. But that brings me to another consideration. The third point. Now, maybe you've thought of this already. But certainly, at eight days of age, Jesus didn't sit up in his, I don't know, cradle, cattle trough. He didn't sit up and say, Joseph, Mary, it's the eighth day. You've got to get me circumcised. In his human, and this is a mystery, this is a mystery. He gave the commandments at Mount Sinai, but in his human nature, he had to learn them. It's hard, I mean, it's beyond our comprehension. I'll just leave it at that and not try to untie that knot. But Joseph and Mary were intent on obeying the law and doing what the law required with regard to their son. What was necessary for him to obey all the law, even from infancy, he needed parents who were devoted to the Lord and committed to keeping his commands. And God provided those parents. This was God's doing. It wasn't chance. It was God's providence. Now, I say parents. I use that word repeatedly here. I got publicly chastised in the middle of a, ser a sermon similar to this once. That's not true. Joseph wasn't his father. <laughs> well, Luke calls them his parents <laughs> and speaks of his father and mother in this very same passage. Uh, so uh, later the person apologized. But uh, I was quite struck by that. I was glad he was orthodox in his uh, theology. Uh, Joseph was not Jesus' father physically. Mary conceived by the miracle power of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph certainly was Jesus' father in the sense that he is the one who raised him and taught him. And, and I think it's probably not stretching things too much to say that uh, Jesus' earliest understanding of who, uh, of who his father in heaven is, of the word of God, the, the commandments of God, the word of God, the history of God's people and so on, uh, probably was learned at his father's knee. There might, have been, there might have been a village, synagogue school, that's how I get it out. There might have been a synagogue school in the village of, of uh, Nazareth. But uh, I'm sure his father was a formative influence on his uh, understanding the word of the Lord. And Joseph was also, and this is important, very important, Joseph was also Jesus' legal father 
the genealogies of Jesus in Matthew and Luke trace through Joseph. Uh, Joseph was the one who descended from King David. And through Joseph, our Lord Jesus uh, inherited the right to be the king promised by God. Uh, so I don't know that there was a formal act of adoption, Jesus was certainly, we would say today, Joseph's adopted son, and legally his son, and legally uh, was not doing anything wrong uh, when he claimed to be descended from David. You know, I silenced this phone before the service, and it keeps telling me. <laughs> That's the only phone I've got on me. I don't know what's wrong with it. All right. So there are no accidents. There are no accidents in God's universe, uh, and particularly not in the circumstances of our Lord's life. His Father in heaven provided for his Son, uh, a father and a mother uh, who cared for him in a godly way, who, who raised him in accordance with God's law. They were not sinless. The Bible doesn't make that claim. We've already said the opposite is the case. But by God's grace, and by God's guidance, uh, they were true believers. They were true believers who loved God and who sought from their hearts to live according to his commands and endeavored, uh, with God's help, to raise this child uh, to be uh, the man he became. He increased in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 40. Again, mystery. But it's wonderful. And God used uh, I'm repeating myself. Uh, <clears throat> so when they took him at the age of twelve to the temple, uh, which we didn't we didn't read those verses. He astounded his teachers with his understanding and his answers, verse forty seven. Again, mystery, the interplay between the Lord's eternal Godhead and his human nature. But he possessed by divine nature all the treasures of wisdom, Colossians 2, and yet he grew in wisdom, Luke 2, 40 and 52. He gave the scriptures of the Old Testament to Moses and the prophets. But as the second person of the triune God, incarnate as a human being, he had to be taught the word of God. In these seemingly little things at the beginning of our Lord's earthly life, uh, we see the singular care taken by God to ensure that his son would be fully qualified to be the Lamb of God who atones for our sins. And I think there's something here for Christian parents to consider seriously. Uh, yes, our children will not, not one of them, grow up to be anybody's savior from sin or reign as Lord in heaven. They need, they need the savior from sin. But we bring them for baptism as Joseph and Mary brought Jesus for circumcision. And then what? Sinful though 
we are, speaking to parents, sinful though we are, through faith in Jesus and by the grace that only he can give us, we also strive or should strive to live from our hearts in obedience to God's commands. Not so our children can become perfect law keepers and earn salvation. That's not possible. But so that they may be encouraged to come to Jesus for salvation and have models in parents, how to trust Jesus, how to live for Jesus, how to confess and repent sin when they don't do that, and be humble before God and humble even before their children. The obedience of Christian parents cannot save their children. Only Jesus can do that. But God uses the loving obedience of Christian parents and their visible trusting in God's word and promises and their example not only of obeying but also of repenting. God uses these things, the teaching of the word of God over the dinner table, at bedtime, teachable moments during the day. He uses their teaching of the word, their prayers and their earnest pleadings. God the Spirit uses all these things to work in the hearts of our children, to convince them of their sins, to point them to the Savior, to work faith in Christ in their hearts, and to show them how to live for Jesus. May God make it so in our families. Let us pray. Our Father, we do give thanks to you that salvation comes from you. It is not something that we can accomplish or it would never be accomplished. You are the great giver. You are the great life changer. You are the great lover of sinners. You are the great helper to parents who are your children and who love their children. And you are the redeemer of children even the smallest of children. Lord, we pray for the families of this church, the parents and grandparents, and we pray for the covenant children of this church. Your Holy Spirit will work in particular ways in, in each and every one and move all our hearts to give glory to you through faith in Christ. And if there's anybody present here this morning, Lord, who is a stranger to your saving grace, who is relying on his obedience or her obedience to your law or despairing of that, we pray, O oh God, that you would bring them to faith in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.